Paul had been taken up to the third heaven and given revelations that the Bible says he was not even allowed to repeat. They were so beautiful and wondrous and powerful, and yet Paul still wants to know him more. That I may know him. That I may know him. I just want to know you more. See, our problem in the American church is we've become so saturated with so much information and so much stimulation that it takes so much to even reach us. See, you're getting saturated with so much of God's Word and God's presence, not only in church, but in, with your radio, on, on the Internet, wherever you're at. You don't even realize how much glory you are getting access to every day. Familiarity is bred contempt, and in many of our cases, it takes so much for us to even recognize that God's in the room that it would take literally an outpouring of unbelievable power and anointing for us to even recognize God anymore. Now, here's the problem with that. When we're a people that it takes that much to get our attention, then all it takes is for the enemy to throw a few flashy signs and wonders around, and he can get our attention in a wrong way. See, God's just looking for somebody that he just says, all I want is to know him. I'm not interested. See, Paul, I'm, I'm convinced Paul was not Paul didn't know he was going to write over half the New Testament. He didn't know that. Paul didn't know that we were going to one day look back at him and say, this is one of the greatest apostles that ever lived. He, not only did he not know it, he didn't care. Matter of fact, I know that for a fact because even towards the end of Paul's life, he said, I'm less than the least of all of the saints. I'm not even worthy to be an apostle of Jesus Christ because he never got over the fact that at one point he persecuted the church. Not because he didn't receive God's forgiveness. He did, but he could never get over the fact, you know, I'm not worthy of this. I'm not worthy of this calling. I'm not worthy of this anointing. I'm not worthy of what God's doing in my life. See, Paul's estimation of himself is, I'm not anything but Christ. He's everything. That, that I may know him. All I want at the end of my life is just to know you more. That I may know the power of his resurrection. Now, all of us want that, don't we? And that's a good thing to want. I want to know the power of his resurrection. I was sitting there while Tammy and I were both dealing with the flu. I'm going to be honest with you. I don't do pain very well. I don't do being sick very well. I'm not a good patient, and I don't like not to feel good. And uh, I complain a lot. Thankfully, Tammy was sick too, so she was complaining right along with me, and neither one of us were really listening to the other. But I was sitting there at one point in time, and here's what hit me. I said, you know, God, I ask you, first of all, to heal me because I hate this. That's literally what I said that way. But I know I'm going to get over this. I don't know how many days, but in a number of days, the fever is going to lift and body aches are going to go away and I'm going to feel better again. I know that for a fact because I know what I have. But God, help me never to take my health for granted again because you don't think about how bad it feels bad until you feel bad. But here's the other thing that hit me. God, there are people who live chronically with things that make them feel a million times worse than I feel these seven days. And I feel like I could crawl under the couch these seven days and I've done nothing but complain. And there are people who chronically live with pain ten times worse than I'm dealing with. And they do that every day. And outside of a miracle, they have no hope for relief. Dear God, help me have some compassion. And help me begin to pray. And then I thought, God, if I had 
healing that would flow through my hands like some of these, like John Lake and, and, and some of the great men of God, Earl Roberts and people like that. Oh, God, I'd love it just so I, I'd love to lay hands on anybody who was sick and just see them instantly healed. Oh, wouldn't that be wonderful? Wouldn't you love to, to know the power of his resurrection? See, that's part of it. We still serve a healing God. All of us want that. That's a good thing to want. But are you willing to want the other part? And, there's an and, the fellowship of his sufferings. Being conformed to his death. I do want the power of his resurrection. Do I want the fellowship of his sufferings? See, I'm pretty sure that one does not come without the other. Now, I know that's not popular charismatic theology. I'm not trying to quote charismatic theology. I'm trying to give you biblical theology. And I said that exactly the way I intended to for anybody who's keeping count. The power of the resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. Jesus suffered much. He suffered misunderstanding. He suffered betrayal. He suffered rejection. He suffered loneliness. He suffered isolation. We're not called to suffer the things that Jesus suffered for us. He bore our sin. He took our sorrow. and He carried our griefs. And He took our sicknesses and our diseases. So I'm not saying we suffer those things as a fellowship of His sufferings. Jesus took those things on our behalf. But rejection, loneliness because nobody understands that I'm consumed with something that they can't even begin to figure out because they don't know this Jesus. Betrayal, misunderstanding, long seasons. You remember how Jesus would get up and go off by himself and pray early in the morning and he would spend long seasons? You remember when he said to Peter, Peter, Satan has desired to sift you like wheat, but I have prayed for you. When you are restored, notice he's telling him you're going to fall. Because by saying when you are restored, it means you're going to have to be restored because something's going to happen. They're going to have to be restored. So when you're restored, comfort your brethren. Do you know why Peter didn't wind up killing himself like Judas did after his rejection and betrayal? Because to be honest, Peter didn't do anything worse than Judas did. He just did it without money. He rejected Jesus and betrayed Jesus too. Denied him three times. Do you know why he didn't wind up killing himself? Because of Jesus' prayers. He says, Satan desired to sift you like wheat, but I prayed for you. You see, if you want to know the power of his resurrection, let me tell you right now, while we're not seeing more miracles, while we're not seeing more signs and wonders, while we're not seeing more of the power of the resurrection of God, is because we're not willing to take part of the fellowship of his sufferings. There aren't very many Christians today who are willing to go through the long night of the soul and travail and intercession on behalf of others.
There aren't a lot of people who are willing to get in their prayer closets and seek God until God says you can stop. There aren't that many people who are willing to turn off their TVs, get off their cell phones, and get in the presence of God anymore and say, God, I've got a burden on my heart. I don't even know who this burden is for, but I'm going to pray until this burden lifts. And if that means I pray for two minutes, that's fine. And if that means I pray for seven hours, that's fine. But I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray in the Spirit, and I'm going to pray in the understanding, and I'm going to seek the face of God, and I'm going to struggle in this thing. I'm going to pray for my brothers and sisters. I'm going to pray for those who are suffering. I'm going to pray for the family members that I talk about and all the stuff that's going on in the nation that I spend hours and hours and hours a day complaining about and talking about all the people in government and what they're doing, but never one time get on my face to seek God about. I'm going to take part not just in the power, but if you'll take part in the fellowship of his sufferings, you'll see the power of his resurrection. That I may know him. Because, see, if you're going to really know Jesus, you've got to know both sides of that. Most of us have just spent our whole life pursuing one side of that. And now we finish this thing up. If by any means that I may attain to the resurrection of the dead, not that I've already attained, or that I'm already made complete or perfected, Again, this is towards the end of Paul's life. After he had been caught up to the third heaven, Paul says, I hadn't reached it yet. I don't know it all yet. Anybody who's ever been a pastor for more than two days, anybody who's ever been a teacher for more than two days, youth pastor for more than two days, leader in any church ministry of any kind for more than two days has heard this at least once. I just don't feel like I'm being fed. I just am not being fed like I used to be fed. You know what? I'm not saying that there's never a point or there's never a place where a minister or a teacher stops maybe teaching the depth of the Word of God. But I can tell you that in 75% of cases, it's not a matter of not being fed. It's become a matter of not being hungry. Because you see, there's a point when we're just coming to Christ and we're just getting filled with the Holy Spirit and we're just getting hungry for God that we want more than we can ever take in. You cannot get enough of the Word of God. Do you remember the days that you just used to take notes in church? I know we're not ever going to do that again because if we were going to take notes, we'd get our phones out and do it on that anyway. And then I'd just think that you were doing something on Facebook and then I'd get aggravated. But some people do. And we don't have to go get the cassettes. Used to, people would get the cassettes after every service because they were so hungry. They didn't want to just hear a sermon once. They wanted to hear it twice. Well, now we don't have to get the cassettes. We can just go online and get the podcast, and that's great. But my question is, how hungry are we? How hungry are we? I was blessed to have a youth pastor that was big physically. He's not just big spiritually. He's big physically. He's intimidating. Loved him to pieces, but he was intimidating. And he taught me, and you've heard this story before, but when I was about 14 years old, there was a missionary from somewhere, I'll never remember where, but he's the most boring preacher, teacher I've ever heard in my entire life. And he rambled on and on and on, kind of like what I'm doing right now, except he'd gone a whole lot longer than I'd been about things that I didn't care about because I knew I wasn't going where he was. And all I wanted to do was get out of there. And so me and my buddies got down below. We had pews. They were nice because you could hide and whisper and talk, and nobody would ever know. Y'all can't do this here. See, we're smarter than that. So we'd get down between the pews and we'd be talking. My problem was my youth pastor was sitting right in front of me. And he heard me. And he took two of those big fingers like that. He did something that probably people would sue him for today. My parents didn't believe in that kind of thing. They figured I deserved it. And so and I did. And so he reached out and he, with as hard as he could go, just went boom 
boom, right on the top of my head. Now, when you're sitting there and you're just talking to somebody and out of the blue that happens, it just gets your attention. And so I looked up at Leon and he did this. And I come up there and he whispers to me and he said, is this guy speaking the word of God? And I said, yes. Do you think the word of God is worth listening to? And I said, yes. Do you think what you're saying is more important than the word of God? I said, no. He said, then I would probably listen. Now, because he didn't just whack me on top of the head, but he taught me how to follow Jesus, and he loved me, and he believed in me, and I respected him like I did hardly anybody else, that meant, number one, it embarrassed me because I knew he was right and I was wrong. But number two, he got my attention. From that point forward, I started doing something. Most of the time I'm preaching, so I don't have to worry about it. But whenever I'm listening to anybody teach, I learned from that point on, he told me this. He said, I don't care if you don't like anything he says. If he's using the word of God, there will at least be one nugget in there if you look hard enough. And you know what I found out? He's right. I've never gone through one message with anybody, anytime, whether I liked them as a communicator or not, that I did not get at least one nugget. And you know how I learned that? From Leon. And do you know how I learned it? By him whapping me on top of the head. When I thought I was all that in a bag of chips. See, I already knew God had called me to preach. I actually thought I could probably preach better than this guy. Now, see, I can say that now. I would have never said that then. I hadn't paid any prices yet. I hadn't made any sacrifices yet. I didn't know what sacrifice meant. There are people sitting on Internet servers all throughout the world today looking on social media thinking, oh, I could run a church better than that. Oh, I could do better than that. I can do this. I can do that. I'm better at that, better at this, better at that. And they don't know what the word sacrifice means. They don't know what it means to spend all night in prayer over somebody. They don't know what it means to go and study the Word of God until they've studied the Word of God and studied the Word of God. They don't know what it means to, to go through any of those things, and yet they allow themselves to think that they know it all. Paul, at the end of his life, said, I don't know it all. I have not attained everything. I am not perfected. Now notice this. But I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. I press on. Brethren, I do not count myself to, apprehend, to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. I'm not there yet. I don't have it all figured out, but I have figured out this much. There's only one thing that's important, and that is laying hold of what Jesus laid hold of me for, and that's what my whole life is about from this time forward. I just want to put everything, forgetting what's behind me, I press on. And that is a term, if that sounds like that's not comfortable, that's on purpose. That's a wrestling, oh, I can't say the word right, wrestling, 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 wrestling. Say it, Tammy. Okay, that's the term. It's like pressing. See, here's the problem. Most of us want all that God has, but we want it easy. We want it all instant, and we want it all easy. 
Want it all just to fall from heaven on us. No cost, no pain, no sacrifice. Everything. Can I tell you something? Anything that comes your way that doesn't cost you something, listen, isn't worth anything. Now, I'm not saying God won't bless you with things above and beyond, but if the favor of God is resting on your life, it's because somewhere you made a decision to make an exchange. Paul said, this one thing I do, I press toward the mark of the high galling of God in Christ Jesus that I may seize upon, lay hold upon that for which Christ has laid hold of me. I press. I press. There's one thing I can tell you. I've experienced great things from God. You have too. I've seen great moves of God. You have too. I've seen God answer great prayers. You have too. But God's not finished yet, so I'm not finished yet. What is... The word for 2020, press. Don't stop. Press. Get in the prayer closet again and press. Get in the word of God and press. Well, I'm just not getting anything out of it. Then press. I don't understand it. Then get you a translation that you can. We're blessed like no other generation. You don't have that excuse. Well, I need some study tools. You can get them online. They're actually free now. Things that I used to have to pay 70, 80 bucks for when I first got into ministry. You can get on free line, online. It almost makes me mad. I'm glad for you, but sometimes I look at it and I'm like, good night. People used to have to give that to me as Christmas gifts because that's the only time they could afford it. Now you can get on Google. You don't have any... Press! I need help. Then press. I need people to help me in my walk with God. It's hard to get to church. Press! Press! I got things in my life that aren't right. I need to give up some things. Press. They're hard to give up. Press. Well, I can't love those people. Yes, you can. I'll never forgive them. Yes, you can do it. It's not a matter of can you, it's will you. And is it worth it? Press. You won't do it until Jesus is the only thing that matters. As long as there's anything else that's more important, you will find an excuse instead of a reason. And so will I. We all do. The marching orders for 2020, I believe, is this. Press toward the mark of the high call. Don't, get, don't be satisfied with anything less than Jesus and all he has. Don't be satisfied with the junk this world offers and put such high price tags on that aren't worth anything. I'm not saying they're all bad. I just said they aren't worth it. Kentucky won the basketball game yesterday. Did you watch it, Pastor? You bet. Did you enjoy it? You bet. Do you hope they win the next game? You bet. Did it change anything in your world? Not one bit. 
Matter of fact, if they lose every game the rest of this season, get blown out by 50 points, I will be a much sadder person, but I will not be changed one bit. And if they win every game the rest of this season by 50 points or more and win the national championship, I'll be a much happier person, but it'll not change me one bit. It won't change one thing that matters. Did you know that Star Wars came out a few weeks ago? Been at the theater? Have you seen it yet, Pastor? No, I had the flu. Didn't want to get anybody else sick. Will you probably see it before it's gone? Probably. If I don't, I'll eventually see it. Will you enjoy it? I don't know. Guess it is probably. Enjoyed the rest of them. Will it make one difference in your world? No. Skywalker can rise and fall. And it won't make a lick of difference about one... Listen. It won't make a lick of difference about one thing that really matters. But following Jesus will. Oh, Pastor, so glad you got on that sports stuff. Oh, Pastor, so glad you got on that Star Wars stuff. Bless God, we've been needing that for a long time. Been shopping since Christmas, Pastor? Nope. Had the flu. Didn't miss that part. Going to be shopping after Christmas, Pastor? Probably. Pretty sure of it. Why? That's why. Is it going to change one solitary thing? No. Hunting, fishing, music, you name it. All not bad things. Ready? Your 401k, your house, how much money you got in the bank. All, all those things help make life a little more comfortable right now. But in the great scheme of things, can I ask you something? Do any of those things matter? No. Not in comparison to Christ. That's why Paul said, I choose to take everything else. Mark it as loss. In comparison to Christ, I'll call it garbage that I may gain him. Press. But it's not going to be easy. You've got an enemy. He's going to try to keep you distracted. How many think he's done a pretty good job so far? Oh, I think the enemy's done a tremendous job keeping the church distracted. Do you know why our nation's in the mess it is? Because the church is distracted. That's why. We actually think that what really matters is what we're watching on television. Can I tell you what? There's a spiritual warfare going on in the heavenlies that's a whole lot more important than anything you're going to see. And I don't care if you're watching Fox or CNBC. Don't make it a lick of difference. MSNBC, would it be? I don't know. I don't pay that much attention. But either way, it don't matter which one you're watching. The thing that really matters is the spiritual warfare that's going on. And many of us are spending all of our days critiquing what we think. And I'm going to be just gut-level honest with you. Some of you may not like me when you're done. There's not one of you in this room that I'm going to take my foreign policy from. There's not one of you in this room that I'm going to take any political advice from. And I don't expect any of you to take political advice from me or get foreign policy from me because, quite frankly, none of us know enough about it to know what we're talking about 
So what we do is we get on TV and we get a bunch of other people who don't know enough about what they're talking about to tell us what we think we ought to believe about what we're talking about and we're complaining and we're griping and none of us are getting in the prayer closet where we can make any kind of real difference about anything that's going on in the place that really matters. So what do we need to do? Press. Press. How long are you going to let this family thing go on? I can't do anything. Oh, yes, you can. See, that's why we don't know the power of prayer. Get in that prayer closet and press. And when I say press, it don't mean God change everybody and make them like me. No. You might be part of the problem. I'm not praying God change everybody and make them like me. I'm just saying God change me and change everybody. Whatever needs to happen, turn this around. Some of you tell, to talk to me about children, grandchildren, stuff going on that's devastating. I feel for you, but have you pressed yet? You see, here's our problem. We would ten times rather talk our problem, complain about our problem, decipher our problem, consult on our problem, rather than pray on our problem. And prayer is the one thing that will change it. Jesus is the one who matters. What do you want to do in 2020? If you remember one thing, press. Does that sound like it's going to be easy? If it does, you've missed everything I've been talking about. It's not going to be easy. But it is going to be worth it because it will make a difference. <laughs> the end of this year is going to look real different from today if you'll press. Would you bow your heads with me? Father, in the name of Jesus.